Welcome to Anything and Everything with Aaron and Aaron, and I'm Aaron. And I'm Aaron. And uh, together we're going to give you two topics, uh, which we've written presentations about, um, and then we'll challenge each other to a little game. Uh, each game is worth a maximum of 10 points, uh, whichever player has the most points at the end of the episode wins, uh, and um, that's about it. There's there's no stakes. There's no nothing to it. We're just having a little bit of fun while hopefully learning something cool along the way. I, I would I would venture so far as to say that all of our topics have been really cool so far, and I don't see this episode as breaking from that mold at all. We're both really excited about our topics, so uh, this should be a good one. I'm I'm pretty into it. Yeah, yeah, I've I've informed people who don't listen to the show that just like not strangers I've met because I'm not a creep, but like people <laughs> I interact with on a daily basis. I've told a few of them I like gone over my topic and they were fascinated. Nice, nice. Well, yes. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, unfortunately, we're gonna wait for a bit on the topics because the first section of our show, as always, is uh, catching up. Um, and also, uh, did we get any, uh, voicemails or emails by any chance? No, I think our listeners thought we might be dead because it's been like, uh, cause I have that one episode in the can that, uh, needs to go out and then right. this episode will go out like next week, basically. Gotcha. But, um, we, it's been like three weeks, I think. Yeah. We haven't posted anything in a while. Um, but that's okay. Um, hopefully this will remind them that we're still alive. We still love you, and uh, we are looking forward to uh, hearing from you uh, in any form whatsoever. Uh, but I guess this is just going to be for you and me to catch up, because we haven't really talked all that much uh, in, in three weeks. Uh, it's just been struggling to get together and get this moving. Um, but we've both been pretty be uh, pretty busy, and for pretty good reasons. You have a new part time job, is that right? Um, yeah. So I did quite a bit of traveling when I first moved because I missed all my friends, and I came out to see you guys on the East Coast too. Mm -hmm. And my dog was sick, so I just I amassed like a little a little tiny hill of debt that I wanted to clean up, and uh. So to be an adult and pay down some of my credit cards and, and, you know, old vet bills and things, I decided that I needed a side hustle that wasn't just my art because uh, the little store my stuff in is kind of off the beaten path and so I'm not generating the foot traffic I would like. So right. I got a part-time job hawking moderately priced lotions and soaps at Bath and Body Works. Um, which honestly, <laughs> I'm, I kind of like it there. I know it's not like a forever job for me because um, <laughs> our listeners may or may not know this, but I don't actually like people. <laughs> um, so customer service is, uh, you know, not always like 
the best job for me because I'm not really invested if you can find your like vanilla scented candle. But I am because I like the people I work with so far. In fact, uh, when we're done recording today, I'm going to actually take a nap because I have an overnight shift to put up like all the holiday stuff. And uh, uh, I, I volunteered for that because I love that. That's my jam. Every job I've ever worked retail, the Apple store, uh, Victoria's Secret, I always wanted to do the overnight floor sets. And with Apple, it was fun because you got to re-image all the computers and you felt like super tech savvy um, and, and got to decorate and stuff. But then with like clothing stores, you had to like redress the mannequins and put out the new products. No one. So you saw the new products before anyone else. It's it's my uh, it's the joy in retail for me. Uh, I did it at Starbucks, too. That was rad, because we would always... Um, at Starbucks, you'd mark the cups out of stock, and then all the, like, former cups were supposed to go in the trash, but managers were usually like, you can just take home, like, tumblers and stuff. We're not going to throw them away. That's dumb. And we were like, yeah, free shit! <laughs> um, Bath & Body Works doesn't do the, the free <clears throat> shit philosophy, but they treat their employees very well, so... Um, so it's been it's been fun, but it's it's like an extra twenty five to thirty hours a week some weeks, so uh, it keeps me busy. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Um, I, as our listeners uh, are, will know, um, have been working on a novel, and uh, I am getting closer to the end. Uh, at current count, I am uh, thirty eight chapters in. Ooh. Um, and over 57,000 words. Um, uh, this is like the, the start of Act 3 with the final act of the story. And um, and as I was telling Aaron before the recording started, like uh, I was so sure because I, I knew in my head exactly how it was going to end that this was going to be the easiest part. And turns out, not so much. <laughs> not so much. It is. It is like. It is like the dirtiest, nastiest puzzle, um, where like all like like a like a jigsaw puzzle where all of the pieces have been are, are just or have been covered with uh, the motor oil or something, and so you can't really not really sure if this fits here or if it make more sense over there. It's. it's um, so it's trying to lay out the ending in a way that, that ties everything together and makes sense um, is is more challenging than I had anticipated. Um, but I'm doing my best to get through it, I guess is how I would put it. Um, and I hope to be finally done with it by the end of uh, the end of the November. So. Okay. So, uh, but I'm on track to be finished by the end of this year, which was my goal when I started was to get it done by the end of the year. So that makes me happy. Um, and yeah, um, I'm going to need beta readers uh, pretty soon. So uh, yeah, uh, screw, might just be reaching out. Screw beta readers. You just <laughs> got a free Christmas gift to give people. <laughs> You're like Merry yeah. Christmas. Here's my mind and my passion. Yeah, I didn't bother like doing anything 
that would be suited to you. And this is this is this is more for me than for you. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, I would do that. To be I, fair, I would do that. I'm excited <laughs> about it. So. It's an appropriate Christmas gift for me. I'm sorry your other friends are too bougie. (laughs) No, no. no. I I would genuinely feel bad, like, being like, this is your Christmas present. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Thanks for giving me life. Here's a free copy of my book before it's published. Oh, no, no, I didn't sign it because I thought that would be, you know, too much. Yeah. (laughs) oh mercy well you know just so you feel better and i know this because i've been watching an insane amount of murder she wrote uh lately just because with angela lansbury passing uh daytime tv the channels that do play murder she wrote really up their ante and um it was on for like uh i think hallmark mysteries uh channel it was on like 24 hours a day yeah starting like the day after she died through the end of this weekend so i have sometimes the tv on while i'm working to entertain me but Mm -hmm. like i'm not really watching i'm just listening and as a kid when i saw that show i guess it didn't like impact i wasn't impactful to me as a kid i was like yeah someone Mm -hmm. got killed and this lady's gonna solve it Mm -hmm. but she spends a lot of time talking about writer's block and like trying to figure out how to like craft the narrative of the ends of her books or Mm -hmm. or uh, the twist element so Mm -hmm. so even jessica fletcher has a hard time wrapping things up legend she was yeah The woman uh, well, who honestly should have been the killer all the time. Like, I think that would have been the best, <laughs> the best twist to that series was at the end. Yeah, she was Fletcher like, finally snaps and kills. Someone. And then she said, I killed all those people. Why do you think I was there? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was sad. Um, that was sad. Uh, Angela Lansbury is an icon. And there are people who might only know her from um, Beauty and the Beast. But she did so much. She played all those. So many great parts. She played all those, like, shady lady, like, or, like, girl from the wrong side of the track parts um, in old movies. And I I just loved her. One of her first, when she was, like, 18, uh, was a Gaslight. Yeah. Which which is where we now get the term, Gaslight. Gaslight. Um, and it was so weird having, having only seen her later stuff to see her playing this kind of, this very morally dubious character. Um, but super fun. Um, and I know she, but she, didn't she get nominated for an Oscar for, I think it was a, um, we, we covered it on the Cinemine show. Um, I think she played uh, she played a, a scheming politician's wife or something. I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was so good that she apparently got an, an Academy Award nom at least. Hmm. So she might have won for all well, I know. She, she had like thirteen. I don't remember how many she won or if she did win, but I think she had like thirteen Emmy nominations for Murder She Wrote as well. Uh, that's not surprising at all. Um. 
she was just a really talented lady and her whole Broadway career. I mean, she created Mrs. Lovett. She was in the original yeah. uh, Sweeney Todd on Broadway. And I mean, she just was a legend. Yeah. Um, of course, we also lost um, the person that I wish would guide me through Hogwarts when my letter finally arrives. So pretty sad uh, about that. Robbie Coltrane passed. Yeah. yeah. And Robbie also um, on that list of legends. Um, uh, I am struggling to think. It's a C word. You're thinking of that series or whatever, right? From uh, from British stuff. Oh, what's it called? Um, I think I knew him best before before um before Harry Potter. I think I knew him best as um uh, like he he was he was James Bond's uh right. buddy in the in the um in the Pierce Brosnan series of films. Cracker. I think he might have been wrong, but Crackers, the name of the British show you were talking about? Yeah. Uh, it was a crime drama, and that's where I was first exposed to him. I saw reruns on, like, BBC or something. Interesting. He was a, a criminal psychologist, and he didn't have, like... He reminded <clears throat> me... Have you ever seen uh, Vincent D'Onofrio in uh, uh, his criminal intent show he did for the Law & Order series? I it's okay if you haven't. He's just kind of a quirky detective. He's not uh, like OCD, like Monk or or that. He's just like kind of curmudgeonly, curmudgeonly and like not into we're people. Or not, not like seeing dead people like uh, Jeff Goldblum as Reigns. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely not that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so I, I'll have to check out Cracker, I guess. Well, hopefully no one else passes because usually they come in threes. And so literally the um, my dad's a sweet guy. The people who listen to the show are going to be like, your dad's a dick. But my dad is a really great guy. I don't know why he said this thing I'm about to say, but we were all sitting around. <laughs> I, I don't have a couch. I broke my couch. One of the weeks we were supposed to record, I was like in tears and I was like, my couch is in pieces. I'm so fat. I broke a couch. And, um, which isn't true. I just, if you're a single person and you sit on the same seat all the time for a year and a half, you wear that side of the couch out. Plus I bought it on Amazon. Don't buy a couch on Amazon guys. They're shit. Anyway, long story short, too late. We're sitting around talking about, you know, how sad it is. The Angela Lansbury passed and, the fact that I don't have my couch yet, that the one I ordered hasn't come. And my dad said, God, you know, it happens in threes. And Dick Van Dyke's up there about the same age as Angela Lansbury. <laughs> my mom and I started, like, knocking on wood things around the apartment. Like, <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. What are you doing? And I was like, don't put that shit out there. And he was like, um, I just... Well, because he's old. I didn't. And I was like, calm down. We're not mad at you. But, like, don't say it out loud. Yeah. You're so, going to curse it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, every morning now I'm like, is Dick Van Dyke still alive? All right. Cool. <laughs> the world's okay. All right. Well, thank heavens for that. <clears throat> well, uh, shall we take our first break uh, um, and uh, lean into our topics? 
Yeah, I don't even know what episode this is, honestly. So, I think it's 28, maybe? It's 28, so that would mean you would go first. Okay. Are you ready Solid. to go first? Yeah, sure, why not? Okay. You got a hint uh, for our listeners about what your topic might be? Well, for the people that are involved in the thing I'm going to talk about, it was a sticky situation. Mm. Oh boy. We're going to find out what Aaron's talking about right after this. Hey, Bridget. Hey, Aaron. You know what time it is. No, what time is it? It's Bicoastal Biatches time. Finally. We so need to catch up. Join the Bitch Brigade and listen to Bicoastal Biatches. Where can they find us? iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back. It's time for part two of A&E, and that means we're on to our first topic. Uh, and Aaron is going first. And Aaron, uh, you were talking about a sticky situation, I believe. Well, I know how you enjoy when I find tragedies or murders in history. <laughs> so <laughs> today we'll be talking about the Great Molasses Flood of 1919. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I, I want to start off by saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like my whole life, I've heard people talk about like slow as molasses and yeah, and that molasses yep. is a slow thing. Uh, so mm. we're going to actually, this is like Mythbusters. We're going to bust that myth for you. <laughs> we're going to let you know <laughs> if you have enough molasses, it is quite quick moving. Mm. So let's, let's get into it. Right. So. In Boston on January 15th, 1919, it was in the North End neighborhood of Boston, which was sort of like an, Ita like an Italian pocket. I don't know. That doesn't really have a bearing on the story. I'm just telling you because I've come across that. But so there was a large storage tank uh, there that was filled with 2.3 million gallons of molasses, uh, wow. which weighed about 13,000 tons. And uh, so it burst uh, due to uh, the tank having sort of shitty components. And then uh -oh. uh, they to tra to transport molasses, to be able to mm. pour it into something else, they mm. would warm it up a little bit mm -hmm. uh, so that it would, you know, sort of fold into the other stock. And mm. it had been in about the 40s. Uh, in Boston uh, the week surrounding this event. So it's pretty okay. cold. So they mm -hmm. think to some extent what caused this tank to rupture was that they poured this warmed up shipment that recently came in mm -hmm. into the cold molasses. And the the expansion of the cold molasses plus the heated new molasses quite literally mm -hmm ripped it apart. In fact, people said that it sounded like this like rumbling almost like an earthquake feel and sound. It was just this loud roar. Wow. And that's because when it burst, this <laughs> the molasses ran through the streets and I'm saying run because it went 35 miles an hour oh through God. the streets of London <laughs> with a wave that at its peak was 25 feet high. Oh my, my God. 
It killed 21 people <gasps> and injured 150 more. And this event is, I mean, they still are talking about this event today mm. in Boston, honestly. In fact, mm. in 2019, they celebrated the 100-year anniversary and did like a memorial and, and read the names of the people that were killed and stuff. Um, however, in recent, uh, close to the time of the actual flood, people would say that on hot days, you would still smell molasses in like the air in that part of Boston. <laughs> and this uh this this was troubling because uh it took quite a while to clean this up. Oh uh, I would imagine so, yeah. So this the I'm gonna read a couple like uh, newspaper article descriptions. And so one person said that they heard a roar as it collapsed, a long rumble similar to the passing of the elevated train nearby. Others reported crashing, deep growling, and a thunderclap like bang. The sounded like a machine gun as the rivets ripped out of the tank. Oh my God. Uh, let's see here. The force of the initial wave drove the steel panels of the burst tank against the elevated railway track next to it that caused the train to t momentarily tip off the track before it rolled back. The blocks around there, several blocks surrounding the tank in both directions, were flooded at a depth of two to three feet of molasses. Mm. And it said that some people were picked up by a rush of air from the because of the density of the molasses and were right. tossed without being carried in the molasses. Right. Um, it was it was a sticky situation. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> <laughs> so the but the molasses because of the cold temperature started to kind of like congeal and get mm. stickier so the people that were trapped in it they couldn't tell like horses and dogs from people and children and because they were covered in it and were thrashing around trying to get out of it it mm. was it was pretty intense and then the first people on the scene were actually just like some cadets <laughs> And so they ran towards the accident when they heard it happen and literally ran into knee-deep molasses. Yeah. And their main job was to try to pull survivors out if they could and then keep looky-loos from coming to get into the molasses. Because people people love a disaster, so people were like, what's going on? Look at yeah. all this molasses. And so that was, that was their main job. Then the Red Cross and the police and everyone started to show up. They set up a actual, like makeshift emergency hospital on site because the doctors had so many patients to see to help them from the injuries wow. that they couldn't transport them. It had to just be on site. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's intense and it's more intense because this was, Literally another, this is like the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory all over again. These people had a shitty, old, poorly maintained tank that 
caused it. So, class action lawsuit. Uh, in, uh, back in 1919, it paid out 628,000. So each victim got about $7,000 for the people whose family members died. And back then that was not an amount of money to sneeze at. Back then. Yeah. Uh, it's the equivalent of about 110,000 in today's money. Yeah. Which, I mean, (laughs) I guess. It's basically like the molasses version of Pompeii. So I feel like it should have been more money than that, but yeah. that's okay. Um, so, but perhaps you're wondering what cleanup would be like if, you know, a whole city was covered in molasses. Yeah. yeah. And the answer was not great. Uh, first of all, <laughs> uh, it was sticky in Boston for like a long ass time after this because. While the flood was contained to, you know, a few square blocks, everyone that was in that area eventually left to go back to their homes and traipsed molasses through the streetcars, mm-hmm. through the carriages, mm-hmm. into shops. The train was sticky. There was, there literally for years, everything a Bostonian was touching was sticky. Um, to clean the uh, the immediate area, they literally used a fire boat, filled it with salt water, and basically like pressure washed the molasses and threw sand down to try to absorb that sticky, wetter <laughs> version of molasses <laughs> that they had created. Uh, it was it was literally such a mess, and uh, that's. Yeah, that's the that's a great molasses flood of wow nineteen nineteen. Wow, that is crazy. Uh, and um, it, I was initially going to joke when you first brought it up that the that the even though people passed from it, it sounded like a sweet way to die. <laughs> but um, appropriate. But it, it must. I, I have to take that back because it must have been horrible. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, it would have been an interesting way to like suffocate. I don't think you would have drowned because I don't think your body could swallow because it was so thick with it being yeah. cold outside. I know. I think it would literally have been almost like a suffocation type thing yeah, versus would have, you a drowning. Instead of drowning, yeah. that's 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 wild. And the fact that there were like dogs and horses just like trapped oh, in the muck, like God. they're like, I'm just trying to like walk on my four legs. <laughs> this shit's all over me now. Fucking people. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah. It's I, there's a lot of jokes there, but yeah, it was it was no. a tragedy. Not as bad as the shirtwaist fire. I've yet to find something that terrible in history. Uh, other unless I cover the Titanic one week, but you'll that would keep you'll keep looking. Oh I, I, yeah, I literally <laughs> type in like spooky murder house or like historic <laughs> tragedy, and and I always that's one of my go tos. But yeah. okay, well. 
That is a very cool, a very cool topic. And I'm looking forward to this game. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, well, the game's just sort of a, first of all, I was going to give you the scholastic quiz. So uh, this was such an ordeal that uh, scholastic books, I can't remember the author's name, put out a book uh, uh, called I Survived the Great Molasses Flood. And it was like, uh, retelling of like one of the people who survived the flood but like one of those kids books where you know they're like here's annie oakley and it's super easy to read but you get the gist they did one of those with the great molasses flood so i was like i'm 100 percent giving him the scholastic book quiz but then it was really specific to the characters at a few points and i was like Uh, oh i can't give you this little kid's book reading like assignment and i was pretty sad about it so instead i made you my own molasses quiz you're welcome sweet let's do it it's true false there's just like actual just give me the answer let's get into it first one's a gimme because some of these are quite hard so true or false molasses was exported to the u.s from the west indies to make rum uh true yes correct yes i just realized i have no paper in front of me to keep score so Uh. i'll just get that hold everyone Okay. (laughs) Question two. Let's rock and roll. Yep. The Great Molasses Flood occurred in 1919, which was the same year as what famous treaty? Uh, I I don't know why it's the only one that's coming to my brain. I think it makes sense because that would have been around World War One, I think. So the Treaty of Versailles. Holy shit, fuck. Yes! I thought there was no way you were getting that right. Uh, You amaze me. I would love nothing more than to turn on Jeopardy and have Ken Jennings go, holy Holy shit, shit, fuck. All right. Well, this might be it a delights t- me so much. <laughs> this may be a smoke show. You may just like smoke it out. I don't know about that, but let's let's carry on. All right. What is molasses often called in England? Oh, I feel like I should know this, but I don't. Nothing's coming to me. I'm going to have to either guess or pass. Um, uh, what's the stuff? Uh, I'm just going to throw out toffee. Man, I know you that's were, not right. No, but you were close. It's treacle or black treacle? Treacle. Uh, I did know that. I just couldn't dig it up. It's okay. You're, you're off right. to a real great start. All I'll right. take it. Question four, true or false? Blackstrap molasses is made during the third extraction of sugar from the cane. I have no idea, but I'm going to say true. That is true. And it's kind of like the more you roast coffee, the deeper and bolder the flavor. The more you extract and process the sugar cane, the more health benefits are in the molasses so blackstrap is better than like a first or second pool of the anyway 
Moving on. Fair enough. <clears throat> what is the name of the molasses monster in Candyland? Oh, um, another one where I don't know, and I would have to make it up. <clears throat> How generic would it be? Well, I'll tell you this. There are two correct answers. There is the redone board game where it's a physical name, and there is the original board game where it's like a genericized term. I'm, it's lame, but I mean, it's the kind of thing they would put in a game, a kid's game at least. So I'm going to say Molasses Man. No. Hmm. So I would have accepted Gloppy, which is what they now call him. Ah! Gloppy the Molasses Monster. <laughs> or uh, f- up until recently, it was the Molasses Swamp. It was a bad area of the board game. Oh. All right. It's okay. Fair enough. You're still in this. In what year <laughs> was the Molasses Act imposed on the American colonists? Or the colonists living in the America. The Molasses Act. Well, uh, I think I remember it being one of the things that pissed them off. Um, it was, it was a, among the things that, that made the colonists want to split off from Britain. So I, by that logic, it would have been before 1776, but maybe near to it. So I'll take a shot in the dark and say 1771. It was 1733. Oh, well before. Well before. You know. Yes. It was sort of revised over time, but I'm not giving you the point. Because the original uh, act was 1733. It's okay. Let's, uh, let's move it on. True or false? Molasses was the most popular sweetener in the U.S. until the 1880s. I'm going to say that's true. It is true. Correct. Yeah. Well done. They probably would have used that instead of sugar. Yeah. Well, okay. You have another true or false. These are are all back to back now because these are just facts or fiction. All right. Uh, Molasses was a popular ingredient in brewing beer in the colonies. Even Thomas Jefferson published published a molasses beer recipe. I'm going to say false. It is false. It's not really false. It's just the name is wrong. George Washington is the person that published the beer recipe. George Washington had a molasses beer recipe. Yeah. (laughs) Like to try that beer. Right. (laughs) I'd like to try that beer with George Washington. (laughs) Might be a little difficult. It's hard. I, yeah. Well, yeah. All right. True or false? The English term molasses comes from the Portuguese molaco, which turn, which in turn is derived from the Latin word mel, meaning honey. Now, I took Latin in high school, but I genuinely can't remember um, if that is correct or not. Um, but... I'm just going to say true because I don't know. It is true. Yeah. 
Oh wow. I had it uh I had changed it and initially it was a false question. I was it had it and I had put murky because I felt like it should have been an M word and then I was like, honey, we'll throw him off. That it doesn't start with a anyway. All right. <clears throat> True or false? Molasses can cause constipation. <laughs> You know, if it's sticky on the outside, it's sticky on the inside. Um, <laughs> I uh, I have no idea. Um, it's it's a funny idea, um, which makes me think maybe it's false. It is false. It actually can be used oh. as a laxative. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's um, literally the opposite. <laughs> it's the opposite. Yeah, it's it's got all kinds of benefits. It's got oh copper and potassium and magnesium wow. in it. Um, it's good for your hair, your skin. Um, yeah, it's there's like a ton of health benefits to molasses. Wow. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a laxative. But and a laxative. So, so it's it's more appropriate to say it's slow on the outside, but quick on the inside. Yeah. Shoots right through. You just warm that molasses up a little bit. Wow. Yeah. You got That's a 25 crazy. foot high wave inside your body. <laughs> All right. Well, you got seven out of 10. So you, uh, you wow. killed it. Wow. That's, that's a good score. Uh, we'll see if it holds up. Uh, we're going to take our second break. Um, but when we come back, it's my topic. And uh, your hint is, well, yeah, you would need a hint, wouldn't you? Um, that's the hint, uh, believe it or not. Jesus. Uh, we'll be back uh, to find out what the hell I'm talking about right after this. Hey, I'm Pantsless Aaron. This is Stevie. And I'm Augie. And we are BFYTW, a podcast all about playing games and having fun. Our games are usually based on British panel shows and game shows, but we'll play anything that captures our attention and imagination. Why? It's right there in the title. You'll never guess what the F stands for. Hey there, welcome back. It's time for part three, the final part of A&E, and that means it's our second topic, and uh, as Aaron went first, it is my topic. So, uh, Oscar Wilde wrote that sarcasm is the lowest form of wit, but the highest form of intelligence. As if Oscar Wilde would know anything about wit. Is sarcasm held in high esteem in society? It's genuinely hard to say, as sarcasm by definition carries with it a sort of venomous contempt for the person to whom or about whom you're speaking and can be the spark of needless conflict. And yet, sarcasm could have quite a lot of benefits. Uh, instead of avoiding sarcasm entirely, using it with care and moderation can actually be quite effective in boosting creativity. Let's start at the beginning, as though it would make more sense to start at the end. Sarcasm is all about constructing or exposing contradictions between intended meanings, a sort of verbal irony, frequently used to humorously convey thinly veiled disapproval or scorn. Like when my boss says, Aaron, you need to stop working so hard, when he catches me surfing Pornhub. As you would expect, 
Sarcasm makes a statement sound more critical. A study was performed in which one person did something negative, for example, smoking, and a second person would comment on that behavior, either literally, that's not healthy, or sarcastically, good idea, fucko. Throat cancer's not all that bad. Maybe you'll get one of those cool voice box things. For some reason, participants rated sarcasm to be more condemning than literal statements, and I really can't imagine why. A similar study determined that sarcasm was viewed as being more impolite than literal statements, and now we're just getting ridiculous. One of the biggest things to affect sarcasm and its use is when it's misinterpreted. This became wildly more common when the internet became a thing, and suddenly, me telling my cousin he should absolutely try out for American Idol because he's got a great voice, became in his eyes genuine encouragement instead of the staggering lightning bolt of disdain it was intended to be, the frog-voiced freak. Just kidding, of course, none of my cousins are stupid enough to try out for reality TV despite being from Ohio. As reality TV runs on willing self-humiliation, generating several thousand tons of sarcasm each year. The misinterpretation of sarcasm can be genuinely serious, however, especially over the internet. A study revealed that people can accurately glean sarcasm from a voice 73% of the time, but only 56% over email. By comparison, the people who sent the sarcasm via email anticipated that 78% of their recipients would understand they were being sarcastic, badly overestimating how important vocal tone actually is to sarcasm. And the recipients were worse, guessing they would correctly interpret the messages 90% of the time. But as I said, there are real benefits to sarcasm. Another study done recently had participants choose sarcastic, sincere, or neutral comments to give to other people, and then were set tasks to do together. And unsurprisingly, people exposed to sarcasm had more interpersonal conflict than the other groups, but the sarcastic groups also fared better on creative tasks, indicating that the mental processes that create and deliver a sarcastic comment improved the creativity and cognitive functioning of both the commenter and the recipient. Now, why would being sarcastic improve your creativity? Because to create or understand a sarcastic comment, your tone has to overcome the contradiction between the literal and actual meanings of your comments. And this is a process that both creates and is activated by abstractism which in turn is vital fuel for creativity. And I'm aware that that's a lot to chew on, but I'm, I'm sure you're all intelligent enough to understand it. And I hope nobody listening to this has taken offense to anything I've said during this topic. I'm sure that I've gotten across that I don't mean anything by it because I'm incredibly talented at getting my point across. I also hope that I've gotten across that I'm a sarcast. That's the word for someone who's good at sarcasm, by the way. But if I haven't, then I'm not a sarcast. In the wake of that fun fact, uh, I bring you a super fun game. Uh, I really struggled with the idea of a game based on sarcasm until I realized there is one character in all of pop culture who was sarcasm personified, and that is House M.D. 
You might have been thinking of someone else, but that's all right. I can't force you to be right. For my game, I'm going to give you the lead up to five of Dr. House's sarcastic quips, and you can deliver the quip or invent a better one. If you're close enough to the correct line, I'll give you two points. But if you make me laugh anyway, uh, even if it's wrong, I'll give you one point. Ready? (laughs) All right. Okay. So uh, a a visitor uh, to the hospital says, Dr. House, I've heard your name. What does Dr. House say? Because you just fucking said it. (laughs) I'm going to give you a point for that. Uh, Dr. House's response is, most people have. It's also a noun. Uh, Number two. Uh, Dr. House says, he did, however, get hit by a bullet. Just mentioning it. Another doctor says, he was shot? What does Dr. House say in response? No, the bullet punched him. (laughs) That's great. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's not correct, so I will, but it definitely made me laugh, so I will give you a point. Uh, Dr. House said, no, someone threw the bullet at him. Oh, shit. I was going to say someone <laughs> threw the bullet at him. And I was like, no, that's too logical. All right. That's that's, that's just brilliant. Uh, but I, I love your answer, too. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, number three. Uh, a patient says to Dr. House, are you this rude to all your patients? What does Dr. House say in response? The truth isn't. The here. truth isn't rude. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, he would say something like that, I guess. But uh, his response in this case was, "Oh yes, don't think you're special." Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, no point there. But That's fine. Let's move on to number four. A nun approaches and says, "Sister Augustine believes in things that aren't real." What does uh, Doctor House say to that? Like God? <laughs> you know what? I mean, that's close enough an intent to what Dr. House says. And I'm going to give you the full two points. Um, he says, I thought that was a job requirement for you people. <laughs> I got to rewatch House. I haven't that's, seen House in so long. It was so well written. And uh, Hugh Laurie is so excellent. Uh, anyway, uh, the fifth and last one. A woman asks, are there other ways I could get pregnant, like sitting on a toilet seat? What does Dr. House say in response? I'm trying to write something clever because I don't know this one for sure. (laughs) Uh, Even the toilet seat wouldn't want to have sex with you. I mean, that's worth a point for sure. Um, but uh, his, res- yeah. his response is, absolutely. There would need to be a guy sitting between you in the toilet seat, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so after all that, you got five points, uh, which is a, is a really good score, but uh, t- uh, today I just nah, took it, Nah, you I guess. killed it. 
Uh, it was that Treaty of Versailles answer. I don't, don't if, know where I pulled that from. Even if you hadn't killed it, hmm. uh, I would have given you the win when you said fucko earlier today. <laughs> I've literally never heard you say that. I've said fucko before, but I've never heard you say it. And it was a delightful moment for me. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I guess I'll take the win. I'm happy with that. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, researching and writing this topic, uh, and uh, I really enjoyed listening to and playing the game of yours. So I'd say this has been a banger of an episode all around. Yeah. 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 This is the one we got to push. So uh, that's going to be it for this episode of Sarcasm and Molasses. Um, Uh, what would we call it? Being sarcastic about a sticky situation? Um, something like that. We'll come up with something. Uh, in any event. Uh, yeah, that's been it, man. Um, I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to us uh, tell you about uh, these uh, incredibly interesting things. Uh, and I hope you've had as much fun as we had uh, writing and delivering our topics. Uh, but that's going to be it from us. You can follow me at Pantsless Aaron. You can follow Aaron at T-O-A-O Turtle. Uh, you can follow the show at A-N-E underscore podcast. Um, and uh, feel free to check out our podcast. Uh, and it, Oh, do we, uh, do we do the voicemails through anchor.fm or do we just have them send them to our Gmail? I mean, uh, you can do either. You but, can do it on Anchor, but a lot of people have had problems. So yeah, I've been I've been hearing from multiple people that even when they send it to uh, my other show, uh, BFYTW, and we should also, in fairness, mention Aaron's other show, uh, By Coastal Biatches. Uh, please check out By Coastal Biatches, and if you get a minute, BFYTW as well. Um, but uh, in any event, we're talking about this show right now. So, um, yes, if you would like to leave us a voicemail, perhaps the best way would be to uh, record it and then include it as an attachment, as an email to our email, which is uh, completely blanked. Uh, Aaron and Aaron Inbox, A-A-R-O-N-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-I-N-B-O-X at gmail.com. Sorry, Raul. Uh, I keep forgetting to make it shorter. <laughs> um, yeah, but you can send us an email. and You can just send us a text email if you want, um, but uh, that's also a reasonable way to send us a voicemail, as long as it isn't like 15 minutes long. Please keep them short and manageable. Todd. Uh, <laughs> God. We love you, buddy. We love I love you, you Todd. Do, I just I had to fuck with you. <laughs> All right. Uh, And that is going to be it from us. Uh, So for me, it's goodbye. And from Aaron. Bye.